In an effort to evolve the podcast into something that we think is more useful, we're going to be coming out with episodes when we feel like they're ready so we can give you much more in-depth studies in the various subjects that we're going to be going into when it comes to creativity. On top of that, we're going to be introducing a level of professional audio recording and editing that up until this point you haven't seen in us. This podcast is brought to you by Audible, the number one source for audiobooks online. To get your 30-day free trial and your free book, for which I recommend Easy Riders and Raging Bulls by Peter Bizkind, go to audibletrial.com forward slash random badassery. That's audibletrial.com forward slash random badassery. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to Random Badassery. This is Chad Hall. And I'm Lam Nguyen. And today we're going to be talking about hacking creativity. So you think that creativity is just about painting or drawing or writing. Well, we found a place where the synergy of technology and creativity fall into the same spot. It was in a place where you would expect it to be in an industrial area surrounded by other technology buildings and other technology companies. Yes. This was a place called the Hacker Dojo. And we didn't just visit Hacker Dojo, we also had a chance to give a short speech on Random Badassery, the podcast. You guys are the closers for the talks tonight, so okay. you're going to go right into your whatever it is you want to do next. Awesome. Okay. This was the first time where we actually had a chance to speak to a group of people. A room full of technologists and programmers and cybersecurity specialists. This was not the audience that we're used to speaking to on this podcast. But having the benefit of an outside perspective is very useful in allowing you to see your own work in a very different way. And it was with that idea in mind that we decided to talk to the people there and find out what this dojo was all about. So uh, I'm a member of Hacker Dojo. I've been here about three years. This is Michael. And I'm basically entrepreneuring, you know, like startup ideas. I'm not an uh, engineer per se or programmer, so... There's a soda machine with samples from various companies in the Bay Area giving away free stuff. There's also a ping pong table. And there's a bunch of desks set up in a very big open room in which everyone can see everyone else. Hacker Dojo started maybe about, uh, about seven years ago. It started with a small group of, I would say, creative technologists. Hacker Dojo is really hard to explain. It's not a co-op. It's more of a community in which people who seemingly have nothing in common come together to work alongside each other and bounce ideas around, rather than a think tank. This was much more of a do tank. Hacker Dojo is a um, member-owned hacker maker space in the sense that it's, uh, it's non-profit and for a very low fee of $125, basically we have access to all the facilities in here. And uh, so if you're entrepreneuring or if you're doing a startup, it's a 
great environment. It's a sort of meeting of the minds. And there are all kinds of people there. People like Devakar. I'm a member for more than three years. Uh, I joined Hacker Dojo. I love building stuff. So uh, I am a software engineer uh, by day, but I like hardware, like things that I can build and uh, show off, I guess. So I started out uh, when I moved, uh, when I bought a house, the first thing I did was rip off the flooring and built my own, put my own flooring by myself, single-handedly. So I like doing stuff like that. And this place has the tools and the people who can help you build your own stuff. So that's one of the reasons I joined the dojo. Awesome. Divakar means morning sun, by the way. And then there was Barry. I'm Barry Burr. I've been playing with lights as a hobby for about 15 years. I've um, been playing with electronics forever. And uh, bike, bicycling to work, uh, bicycling long distance rides led me to making my own bike lights. But these aren't your average bike lights. You're, we're only on, on audio with your microphone, but we have witnesses too here. I'm going to light up your shoulder and your chin and your ear without touching your eye. So put that out on the road, and you're shooting up the road four lanes wide, an extremely bright half mile. And that's in something that's literally, what do you think, about one-tenth the size of a normal car headlight? Yeah. It's also using half the power. And the other problem, like, with why, why, car, why a high beam on a car is not allowed everywhere is because you got all this glare around the edge, shining in everybody's eyes, but it's too dim for you to see because you have that big bright spot in the middle that's blinding your peripheral vision. So what if we take the dim edges, gather that up and in and under? Barry was proud to tell us that his bike lights are being used as tactical lights by the police. And One direction where these optics are going is that they're going to be on the moon. Literally. NASA's uh, lunar lander to the dark side of the moon is using my optics. And while we were talking to Barry, Lamb was able to touch on the interplay of creativity and play. Um... Playing with flashlights, yeah. It's just, you know, they're kind of, they're, they're something to play with. You can't, I don't know. So did you, would you say that, that part of the reason why you went into the industry that you did is because you were playing with it enough that eventually you figured out a way to not just play with it, but make it into something, like learn to mold the tool into something that you needed yes, for Yes, definitely. Yeah, because no matter, I was always doing computer work for a living, but I was always playing with electronics in one way or another. Barry also made another really good point. And it's a point that I think all of us can relate to, either as artists or as entrepreneurs. You ever get an idea in the back of your mind that won't leave you alone until you do something about it? That, that's, that's how the best startups and the best ideas and ventures get going. I know I've had that as an entrepreneur here in the Silicon Valley. Whether it's my artistic projects or my work-related projects, there are sometimes you just get an idea in your head that you just can't let go of. And you won't stop until you see it tangible when you see it in the universe and you bring it into existence. And for writers, this is how story ideas become books and films, by annoying themselves into existence. And as a musician for a good portion of my life, I can say the same about my music. There are times where a melody or a tune or even the sound of a specific instrument would just bury its way into my mind, and I couldn't let it go until I actually heard it in the universe. But without Hacker Dojo here, I wouldn't have the time to be able to play and, and have the conference room at 3 in the morning all to myself to shine lights and take measurements. So in essence, Hacker Dojo is just a place where you can go to pretty much work on anything you want and have the tools by which to do it. 
It's a laboratory for the mad scientists inside to mix and boil and explode ideas. And that's an interesting thing we saw when we were at Hack of Jojo too, is the carnage that was left behind from all the experiments, the projects that worked and didn't work, all the husks and burned out pieces of technology that found its way to the scrap heap. Robot arms, broken drones, keyboards. Scored pieces of wood with any number of various 3D prints etched into them. Fidget spinner fragments. And what we also started noticing was the real power of the dojo is actually in how the community itself was created. Okay, uh, my name's Marcy and I've recently joined the dojo as a volunteer. I've been very interested in how co-working spaces bring people of different affinities together and let them cross paths and bump into each other and uh, you know, and I think that's where, if you talk about creativity, that's where the most creative energy sort of comes from, when people get out of their silos and they start finding each other again. And it is that sense of community that best defines Hacker Dojo. You really got the sense that people were trying to step out of their comfortable bubbles. Engineers tried to be artists, artists tried to be writers, writers tried to be marketers. And that's the real power of the dojo, is that it forces you to think outside of your comfort zone. And to become the person you need to be. <laughs> this is John. And I have been hanging out in the Hacker Dojo since its foundation, like seven years back. And uh, I've been like the makerspace guy here. I, I'm obsessed about robots and building things, robotic, electronic, software, combos, AI, just the whole gamut. And John isn't just an original member of the dojo. He's also been around the tech industry for a long time. I was using the internet when it was considered breaking into government computers. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, no that, when that movie yeah. came out, all my friends were like, John, oh, God! <laughs> John was around during the beginning days of most of the companies that we know and love in the tech space, companies like Apple. So I actually worked on the first digital audio on, on the Mac, and, and the meep meep sound and a bunch of sounds on the early Mac were, were stuff I recorded. Uh, I had sound on the Apple II, and then I figured out how to do PWM on the internal speaker of the PC, which got involved in, in a bunch of early game libraries, and then I had a company called AudioByte, and we sold the Parallelport dongles to play digital audio. So it's like the first sound card company. It's really easy to get distracted by the copious accomplishments of the dojo members. So the dojo has been a good place for, for very uh, talented, uh, creative people of many different types of, of uh, expertise areas, uh, just a wide variety. So it's, it's been really good intellectually just to have you know people I can mix up with that uh, I wouldn't encounter through just my normal day job or, you know, there's no, no other place in the valley really where I could rub elbows with people like this. And that's a really interesting point that John brings up about the dojo itself is being able to converse with people that you wouldn't be able to meet in any other walk of life. What that breeds is the ability for people to not specialize, to not get locked into a certain way of thinking, or to get compartmentalized into a tiny little box in which their creativity and beyond that their ability to execute becomes very, very specific. This is something that companies like 3M and Google try to simulate by moving employees from department to department, and what Steve Jobs tried to create by putting all the bathrooms in Pixar in a common area. I find every time I help somebody I learn, you know, especially because they'll throw like weird out of left field problems and, and just in the course of 
networking and talking to people and trying to solve their problems. I, I grow and I learn myself. Um, you know, usually you, you find the most interesting things when, when other people come from outside and go, hey, I can't solve X. And you go, oh, that's interesting. There's opportunity there. Or as Dr. Henry Cloud says in his book, The Power of the Other, to get to the next level of performance, you certainly do have to think differently. But to think differently, you have to have a different mind and your brain has to fire differently. To develop these differences in your mind and brain, the equipment in which thoughts and feelings and behaviors are embodied, you need to connect in ways that rewire you. And that brings us back to something Barry said. It's not a one-way street here. It's a, it's a very definite two-way street where people are filling in the missing puzzle pieces for each other and giving some kind of encouragement and sometimes just ideas out of nowhere that are exactly dead on. Like two He's talking ago, about his bike lights. I was originally spraying a silver reflective coating on, but that was getting on the outside too. This is just one example. And a lady here at the bench at night says, like, this looks cheesy. Can't you get a reflector? And I just looked at it, just like, yeah, this does look like crap. <laughs> yeah. But that, that led into sketching out the what if. And now that white insert piece is a custom mold out of a plastic that no one thought could be molded that thin and that precisely. But just from ideas from a few people here, kind of, they, they can push you in a better direction with your idea. I think Hacker Dojo, in a nutshell, it gets you past the dead ends and cold stops that you might otherwise encounter in an early phase startup. And the word we seem to hear quite often from a lot of different people at the dojo was serendipity. Look at the case of Terry. Because I'm not in the technical industry at this time, but I used to be, and I have all these ideas. I always want to improve things and figure things out and find better ways. And I want to invent, I want to invent um, just common products, um, just everyday little gadgets. Right, creativity. I love, I love gadgets. I love doing, you know, finding little neat little things. And um, I just don't have, I never had the resources or the know-how or just, where to, where to start, and I think this... So uh, you think Hacker Dojo is definitely giving you a better step in that direction? This is the first time I'm here, and yes, absolutely, the first person that I met, and another idea... She was passionate about making spreadsheets, and she found someone at the dojo who could help her monetize. You've only been here for one day. One day, and, already found. and I've already met people that um, have ideas, have grown and developed. <laughs> the exact tools that she needs... That is the magic of the dojo, the serendipity. You never know who's in the room. You know, we're sitting here, me and another fellow, Eugene, and we're like, oh, yeah, we should order one of these Devoris dyes. And all of a sudden, the guy next to us goes, oh, here's a coupon for one. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, oh, you know, he's, that's his company. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, he's working for Google. <laughs> you know, we just happen to mention, you know, his company and product. And he's like sitting here at the table, like turning around going, oh, you mentioned me? What? Jeez. <laughs> you wow, know. That's crazy. Um, and, and so there's a lot of that. So we're sitting here in the room, you know, trying to hack on a MediaTek chip to do uh, geolocation stuff. And the, like the guy who's like one of the principals at MediaTek that approved that chip's product was sitting right behind us watching the whole time amused you know and I, eventually he came over and he'll just like start talking and giving us little bits of information like how do you know so much oh because that's my project it's like <laughs> it's important to get out of our creative caves 
It's important to mingle minds and to smash ideas against each other. So what's the secret to hacking creativity? The secret to Silicon Valley success and artists enclaves everywhere. I think it's other people. This new episode format is a continual learning process. It's a ton of work, but we think that it's worth it. And it'll keep getting better. Don't forget to share this episode. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow at Random Badassery on Instagram. And take part in the monthly creative challenge. This month's prompt is transformation. Go make something. Post it, tag us, and challenge three of your friends. And remember, we all have creative minds. Ow!